What's the school's responsibility to ensure the protection of its LGBTQ plus students? They're responsible for, for one, making sure that no student is feeling like like their rights are being violated or or that they're being persecuted just for their sexual uh, orientation or gender um, identity. So the school has to protect all students, not just the ones that they agree with. You're listening to Thinking Freely with the ACLU of Maryland, the show that talks about what's happening politically in Maryland, from the courts to the streets and everywhere in between. I'm your host, Nehemiah Bester. Around this same time last year, one of my colleagues, Alicia Smith, said something that I thought was seriously profound. Pride is more than a month. It's a mentality. And like any mentality, it determines how you interpret and respond to certain situations. LGBTQ plus rights have been under siege for a time, with some progress here and there, but also some setbacks including the human rights campaign declaring a state of emergency for LGBTQ plus people this June for the first time in the organization's 40-year history. And, unfortunately, students have not been immune to the dangerous anti-queer assaults legislatively or physically. According to the National ACLU, more than 400 anti-LGBTQ bills have been introduced this year alone as waves of homophobia and transphobia threaten the safety of queer community members. In addition, too many intellectual spaces where diversity and curiosity are celebrated and respectfully contested are being denied altogether. Entire books deemed too controversial are being banned from the shelves of libraries. Imagine a world where Fahrenheit 451, the dystopian novel by Ray Bradbury, is actually taking place. But instead of burning books, they're being thrown in a more figurative fire. Most recently, Amanda Gorman's poem, The Hill We Climb, read at President Joe Biden's inauguration, was recently banned in Florida for its gender ideology and indoctrination. While All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson was banned in Maryland's Wacomico County because of its story of a black man growing up queer. When communities are most harmed, the ACLU of Maryland's mentality is to respond. The ACLU of Maryland offers a Know Your Rights program that informs Marylanders of their rights so they can make informed decisions, be good witnesses when violations occur, and know their options for taking action. We just published on our website a Know Your Rights on LGBTQ plus students' rights at school, including dress codes, gender, self-expression, and more, so that students in school are fully aware that they have the right to be themselves. Go to ACLU dash md.org forward slash kyr to learn more to tell us more about this is carlos childs carlos is the aclu of maryland's regional community organizer for southern maryland he was raised in waldorf maryland and for years he has been a southern maryland activist bringing on legal justice reform building worker power advancing environmental and housing rights and more Carlos, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Always glad to be here. That's an amazing statement for me. So thanks. I feel I feel I feel accomplished now. <laughs> great. Um, no, man, you, you've done a lot of really, uh, really great work. And so as you know, it's it's Pride Month. And 
you know, we put together one of our KYR Know Your Rights content pieces so that LGBTQ plus students here in Maryland are fully aware of their rights at school um, when it comes to, you know, dress code, their own self-expression, gender identity, you name it. So let's let's jump right into it. Uh, let's talk about freedom of expression first. What should students know about how they can express themselves in school? Yeah, the first thing is that one, every student has the right to express themselves um, and that it's not just some some right that we just say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you have the right to do that. It even goes to your constitutional right and your first um, amendment right, which allows you to express your views and um, identity through your clothing as well. And just letting students know that, hey, just because you are LGBTQ or you want to have a shirt or pants or any type of clothing item that expresses your pro-LGBTQ, pro-Pie, political branded stuff or whatever, as long as it's within the actual dress code of the school, you're free to do you and and wear what expresses you to your uh, peers and the staff. So it's more it's more than just like, you know, um political things that you can wear like you can if, if you say for example if somebody were to wear to wear like a like a pan-african flag like that would be acceptable in school right oh definitely yeah if you want to wear a pan-african flag if you if you want to wear a t-shirt with a whole bunch of cartoon characters on it you can it's it's nothing that it's nothing stops you as long as it's within the actual school dress code itself okay okay so staying on dress codes you know i i remember in school, you know, uh, you know, things like spaghetti straps were were banned, you know, no tank tops, no sandals, everything had to be fingertip length. What were some of the things that you remember and what should students be aware of when it comes to dress code, particularly when it's based on gender? Oh, yeah, definitely. I remember the same exact exact things. If you had a um, spaghetti strap, making sure that it's like two fingertip length, length, length on it. Make sure that if you put your hands down, that your pants or your dress comes comes to that. It's really, I mean, but even, even on top of that, as like all of us probably saw, it was majority of Black girls um, and uh, brown girls who actually face, face the actual like repercussions of that. It would be telling them, oh, your tights are too tight. You can't wear X, Y, and Z where their white peers can't. Um, but specifically, specifically for um, LGBTQ-related students, is that federal law prohibits any any public school from from mandating gender-specific dress code. So, if you identify as male and you want to wear wear a dress, a school cannot say, "Well, hold up, that doesn't fit with our gender stereotype of what you should wear." And then also making sure that people feel comfortable in whatever clothes that they're that they're in, and making sure that um, a school cannot tell you that that you have to fit whatever their image of of your gender is or what they conceive your gender to be. So like saying like with that topic on dress codes, you know, we touched on it a bit, but something I wanted to ask you, uh, what about when it comes to transgender and gender nonconforming students? Um, you know, not, you know, not only on dress code, but, you know, access to things like restrooms and, and locker rooms what are what are what are their rights there yeah definitely um well as far as clothing it's the same as um before you have the right to wear whatever fits your gender identity or your gender expression and whatever makes you feel comfortable um as well within the actual dress dress code itself but as far as like locker rooms restrooms um we want every LGBTQ plus uh, trans non-binary person to know that they have the right to use the locker room or restroom that fits within their gender identity. It's not 
a thing of just because you are perceived a certain way or that the school would like it to be a certain way that you have to actually conform to that. And that also to, to let them know that you should not under any circumstances be forced to use the nurse's bathroom, the staff bathroom, or, or some or some secluded kind of separate but equal version of what a school right. may be trying to do for you. Right. I, I remember there was a lot of that going on, um, you know, back when when I was in high school ages ago. But um, I, I know as as long as as long as I've been in school, you know, I wanted to be in and participate in clubs and extracurricular activities, you know, because of the community aspect, the, the belonging that comes with that. Of course, my experience as a cisgender man is uh, different from LGBTQI individuals. But talk to me about student led groups, you know, GSAs and other spaces where students can find community. What does the federal law say about that? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, for all the people listening, a GSA stands for Gay Straight Alliance. Depending on where you live at, you may have them in your middle school or your high school. But um, what it what it really is is a non curricular club that that brings um LGBTQ plus and um cis straight straight um students together to work on things on things like building community, uh, working towards uh stopping the the discrimination that um. LGBTQ students face within the uh, school and also just just creating like a safe space for for just students to come together, talk, just have, you know, be a kid and not and not feel that that like systemic pressure and kind of in the kind of in the stereotype of, of, oh, straight students and like LGBTQ students aren't they don't mix or there's issues between them to really show no, we're all students and we all care about each other and we just want to see each other treated well. Um, and as far as like federal law is concerned, the federal law actually prohibits public high schools from um, from banning or not allowing um, non-curricular clubs from uh, treating GSAs differently. So if you're a, a, a student and you want to set up a GSA, a school cannot tell you, oh no, you cannot do this specifically, but they let other non-curricular clubs um, exist as well. So we always tell people is if you want to start start one, feel free to talk to a trusted staff member or or teacher and, and start the process to actually set one up. On a more serious note, uh, what should students do if they feel like they are being harassed or threatened? It's sort of like the opposite of what you just summarized. What's the school's responsibility to ensure the protection of its students? Yeah, well, first thing, if any student is being harassed, bullied, threatened, all of it. First thing you want to do is tell a trusted adult, school staff member, make sure you take detailed notes of it yourself, write it down, document what date this happened, time, and also tell a trusted friend because the last thing we want to see see is when you bring it to the school that they say, okay, well, this is just 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 you saying that. It's like, no, other people can back this story up as well. And as far as what the public schools are responsible for, they're responsible for, for one, making sure that all students are, are in a safe learning um, uh, space, that no student is feeling like, like their rights are being violated or, or that they're being persecuted just for their, their um, sexual uh, orientation or gender um, identity. But also, they're responsible for responding to harassment, to um, people misgendering them, invasive questions, um, and also intentionally detonating by like the not just staff but also other students or parents as well. And that also no no school can retaliate against a parent or student just for 
filing a uh, complaint about discrimination. So every so the school has a has to protect all students, not just the ones that they agree with. Okay. So on the subject of you know protecting all students, what about when it comes to like events that all students want to attend, like you know proms and homecoming, graduation, you know the, those large scale events. Are students allowed to wear whatever they want to these events? Uh, are they allowed to bring whoever they want to these events, regardless of gender? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, well, first of all, as far as it goes to like dress code for these um functions, you one hundred percent have the right to wear whatever makes you feel most comfortable. If you identify as female and you want to wear a suit and vice versa uh, for people who identify as like male, you can and feel no repercussion for it. It's It should not be to where you have to conform to as before a, a specific gender stereotype. And that even goes goes for if you want to run for prom king and, king and uh, queen, that you cannot say just because you're running for prom king, you have to wear a suit or prom queen, you have to wear a dress. You can wear whatever makes you feel most comfortable, most uh, comfortable. And to the topic of who you would like to uh, bring with you, as long as as they would be allowed at any other school event, you can bring them. No matter if it's if they identify as male, female, non-binary, transgender, whatever, it's it's whoever you feel most comfortable sharing that moment with. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about was um, privacy in school. I feel like this this comes up often, you know, because, you know, are schools allowed to disclose a person's LGBTQ status, quite plainly? You know, um, I think a lot of the excuses there comes down to, you know, like paperwork and documentation, writing things down. Um, but as we know, this can out a person um, and we don't want that. So are schools allowed to do that? Are, are they allowed to disclose a person's LGBTQ plus status? No. Um, first of all, no no school should um just be in the habit of just well one, just asking students flat out, hey, how do you identify or 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 are you LGBTQ plus and then using that against them? Um that's that's one wrong right right there. But and the second thing is too is that um they do not or they should not just just out out someone, not even to classmates, but to their parents as well, without explicit permission from that exact student as well. And it and it's not just that um, because you're in the closet towards your peers or parents. Even even if if at school you're out, they that does not give the uh, school the right to actually say, "Oh, okay, well, since you're out at school, then we have a right to just tell your parents as mm -hmm. as well," because they don't know. Well, well, one they may be putting you in an unsafe environment by doing that. And then two, they don't know personally who you have come out to or have it as well. And then also school faculty, students, peers, overall should, should just refrain from like asking people very, very like invasive questions or kind of making appropriate comments when it comes to someone's sexuality or gender um, and things like that that really make it uncomfortable in, a, in an unwelcoming environment in school. Right. Yeah. I, I love what you touched on, because oftentimes, like, it's not just, you know, the school that, you know, can be potentially harmful, but also like that student has to go home every day. And if they're out, you know, they're not out to the, to their parents or their loved ones or their family members, um, that creates a, a, a 
you know, it's, it's extremely problematic and can put them in further harm's way, you know. So no, you're definitely right. I mean, you could have you could have students who may leave their house dressed dress a certain way when they go to school, change into something that makes them feel more comfortable. And then if you have a school who's just intentionally just telling the parents, oh yeah, did you know that X, Y, and Z child is doing this? That like you said, you could be putting that child in a totally dangerous situation going home. Right. And I remember um, you and I were talking earlier this month and you brought up to me something I wasn't aware of, but this sort of this sort of rise of the LGBTQ uh, plus banned books, specifically in Calvert County. Can you explain that to me? Like what what is going on over there? Oh, yeah. Calvert, it's been a it's been a lot going on in uh, Calvert County, actually. But um, yes, there has been. Oh, as we, as we all seen, there's been just this weird national uptick in just anti LGBTQ plus sentiment that we've seen in just different groups. Um, and it's actually gone gone past as far as book banning past past just LGBTQ plus, but also um, trying to ban black and uh, brown books as well. So it's been a combination of stuff. But for Calvert County specifically, there's been one main uh bad faith actor group that has been been pushing this this kind of argument of well we need to protect all students from from sexually explicit material and in quotes too because they're they're using that and and what they do is they'll go to board of and and meetings and read just very selective passages that they can say oh this is sexually ex explicit without the context of the overall book book itself so what happened recently at the last uh, school board meeting is that there was a policy that or a pol policy proposal that one of the school board members uh, put up. And this this wouldn't just ban ban books. This this policy proposal was made to stop books from 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 even going on library shelves. What what they had this this do would set up multiple committees in different uh, per per school that would have to one one man mandate that the entire committee before putting a single book on the shelf have to read that entire book so just imagine a public school library that could have hundreds or thousands of books in it making a committee's job to read every single book before it even goes on the shelf which is insane to think about but it's even worse when you think about that the main group that is pushing this this policy They've been on Facebook trying to get, trying to crowdsource people to read books that they want to ban. So if they can't even do it on their own time, how do they expect people in a committee and work environment to read every single book before it's on the shelf? And from from what a lot of activists and just orders have been saying, the main goal of this is just to stop having books in the library at all. So I guess if they can't win the ban fight, we'll just not have public school libraries. And then also it also for for the books, I guess that they're they're able to read that they consider sexually explicit that um in high schools what what they would have do is is create a separate section of the library that has a sticker on on each book that says sexually explicit and have it in a separated part of the library that if you're under the age of 18 which most high school students are you would need a parent's permission to actually be able to either read or check out that book as well then Further putting barriers or putting people in or students in unsafe situations where they may not be able to tell their parents, hey, can you sign this this permission slip from, from me to read a book related to like LGBTQ stuff? And then the other weird, weird part of it is that 
their definition of a library. Their definition of a library went went from what what we all know as like the library in the school to right. anywhere where books are kept for reading. So a teacher's classroom is also now considered a library. And one of the uh, and one of the uh, teachers actually who attest who testified against this uh, policy brought up under this definition. What you're going to see is, so will we classify a student's locker as a library because books are kept there or with their book bag be considered a library? And is the school going to dedicate resources to people to go through every locker and every book bag to make sure they don't have this quote unquote sexually explicit books that they want to uh, see? But one of the most positive things out of all of this was that at the last school board meeting, when there was a public comment period, the one odd thing was they limited public comment to only 20 people. So the hearing was at 3.30. People were saying by like 1.30, all 20 slots had been filled. People already, already came to us, sign up. But the great thing was out of all of the 20 public comment speakers, 17 of them were against this uh, policy. It was a combination of teachers, parents, students, um, faculty, librarians came out and, um, to actually say no, this is horrible. Like, like we we are trained. We 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 went to school and have the education to curate these uh, libraries. For you to go and try to work to to work around us is actually defeating the purpose of making sure that we not just have an inclusive learning environment, but we open students up to a myriad of books that not just go along with their family's preconceived notions, but also challenge some of their own thoughts to say, okay. Maybe I read something and, and it makes me look at the world differently or, or set me up for a more diverse world and not just a, a closed off mindset of this is the only way things things work. So in the end, the actual sponsor of the policy said that they're going to rework the policy, I guess, to make it not sound as bad as it is. So everyone's gearing up now for the uh, next school board meeting to do it all over again. And then um, the good thing is people on the ground we're saying hey we will keep doing this until we until you either stand down or they just vote the policy down yeah like this this to me sounds like so archaic like when you're just like limiting intellectual curiosity because you want students and children to be able to challenge um some of their own thoughts and, and, and behaviors you know especially when it comes to an, uh, a system of um institutionalism you know, so uh, that that to me is just is just so, so bizarre. Exactly. Uh, and um, one other thing thing to this, a lot of people pointed out, if parents don't want their children to read a certain book, have that conversation with your child. That is not something where, where, where you should feel like I need to mandate. So no child gets to read a, a certain book. And also there are already policies and procedures in place to to basically stop your child from being from being able to uh, check out certain certain books. So they're doing this to kind of force force their own personal or religious ideology on all students when not taking into consideration you only you should only have control over what your your child reads, not everyone else. Right. You're the parent of the children you parent, not right. everyone else <laughs> is like um so, so yeah, uh, one more uh, question I wanted to um, ask you, Carlos, um, probably one of the more important questions. But, you know, if if the things that we mentioned today that we, that we talked about, um, if they don't work like the, the system 
as we know, a lot of times it hasn't worked for students, um, you know, but if if it doesn't after, you know, these whoever listens to this after these recommendations, how can they get help and how can the ACLU of Maryland assist in any of that help? Yeah, well, we definitely always tell tell students, parents, whoever's listening that one thing is no matter how you're being treated, we we want you to one, stay calm and and just comply with 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 any direct orders that you're given from the US school system, as long as it doesn't stop your ability to to a challenge that later later on, but also keep detailed documentation of anything that any paperwork that was that was given to you, any phone calls you have with school staff members, anything that your child is going through, keep detailed documents of what happened, where, what time, all of it. And then also contact the ACLU of Merlin complaint line with all of, all of your um, uh, documentation as well. And then also to let people know that any information that you that you share with us is 100% confidential. It stays between you and us. We do not share that out, out with people. And um, if we are able to, we will definitely um, provide different services and different um, recommendations on how to move forward, whether it be through conversations with the uh, school system legally, whether it be through community outreach, however. Perfect. Love everything you just said. Last thing, if you've had, if you if you've gone to any of the Pride events this month, how how have they been? Have you been enjoying any yes. of the events that you that you've been at in in the state? Oh yeah, they've been amazing. And I do want to shout out Charles County's Pride um event. We actually had it's it's crazy. Charles County's been been around for all these years. We actually just had our first Pride event um in May. It was actually um put on by the uh health health department. It was a prep for a uh, Pride. So they were um telling people how to how to get get prep, know their um health, uh their uh, health status, but also just engage with the different um community members. It was just amazing we had a, a table uh there but just seeing how many students were there how many just parents how many just like not even lgbtq members um but just like just your cis straight straight people who were just say hey hey i'm supporting because either my child's lgbtq or my cousin is or i'm not knowing my knowing that they know and their family is but hey i'm just here to have fun and support a community within my county so i think that was probably the most amazing thing and it was it was huge. I mean, I think they were talking about they were they did not know how many people would show up. It was from just what all of us saw around probably a thousand people who showed up. They had a march to it was amazing and really powerful. And I know people are already talking about, all right, cool. So what's happening next year? How are we going to keep doing this? And I'm looking forward to um, uh, it's a Southern Merlin Pride that's uh, going on in um, October as well, too. So it's definitely stuff going on throughout the year that I'm looking forward to. No, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm so looking forward to the pride events that are in the pride parade that are going on in Baltimore um, this weekend. So and it's always great to be around community, you know, to learn from one another and also just to just to let some steam off, like to have some, you know, like it's, it's just great to be in the street. But this has been a great conversation. Carlos, thank you so much for for joining me um, and appreciate all the great work that you've been that you've been doing. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for providing this this space to really let out some really good messages and be in community. So this is awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Thinking Freely. If you like this conversation, please feel free to leave a like, comment, and share to your networks. We also have a new Pride Center playlist available on our website and social media platforms. 
so be sure to go check that out and lastly don't forget to subscribe to thinking freely wherever you get your podcast this show was recorded on Piscataway land i'm nehemiah bester the host and producer of thinking freely until next time and happy pride <laughs>